It's Friday, April 9th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. However, Tyler's out. Russ, out. It's just me. But guess who's on the show? Our senior Australian field correspondent. I kind of tripped over that. Australian. Our senior Australian field correspondent, Kieran Sheldon, on the show with us again. How's it going, mate? Good day, mate. Good. <laughs> 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 kind of mix those together. I just said, how's it going, mate? What's going on? Oh, man. What a crazy things. Did you have a good week? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty full on this week, actually. But a bit of a shorter week, too, with Easter and that. So we, we had public holiday Monday and um, uh, took Tuesday off. So busy, but relaxing, I guess. Good deal. Good deal. Okay. Uh, so it is, what time is it there? Is it 11 o'clock at night? 11 p.m. Friday night for yeah. you? Yeah. Quarter, quarter past 11. So... At least we're still on the same day now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> At least we're still on the same day. Okay, uh, let's take a look and see if there's anything uh, anything interesting this day in tech history. Well, tech history yesterday. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, always that. <laughs> so I've got up here, um, John Scully joins Apple as CEO and president, always named as president and CEO of Apple Computers after Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. So oh, this was uh, yesterday in 1983. Yeah. He left his yep. position as president of PepsiCo. Okay. Probably a good move. Yeah, briefly. I don't know the history of John Scully, though. Like, what, what happened after that? Oh, I know. It's from the movie Jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he, he got replaced by um, Gil. Here's a great quote. Apparently, Jobs asked Scully, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to come with me and change the world? <laughs> that's right because john scully when they were still working out of jobs's home he came in as an early investor oh okay it says here jobs was interested in scully based on his uh, success growing pepsi's market share against coke and he yep. wanted the same thing growing his uh success for apple against ibm this is before dell existed i think dell launched early the following year might need to get michael dell on to Discuss that with how he saw the competition back in those days. Yeah. See if he remembers that time period. Okay. It looks like um, this day in history for actually today, for April 9th, NASA introduced America's first astronauts, April 9th, 1959. This being a, a decade before we landed on the moon, the seven men, all military test pilots, were carefully selected from a group of 32 candidates to take part in Project Mercury, America's first manned space program. And they had planned to uh, begin manned orbital flights in 1961. Were they analog astronauts or digital? What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. I got lost on that. I was looking up about that billionaire the other day, and, um, again, after you guys mentioned it, and saw the word analog and go, what? <laughs> what is an analog astronaut? Doesn't make sense, but okay. Yep. I suppose they're all analog. Okay, here you go. An analog astronaut is a person who conducts activities in simulated space conditions. Ground-based studies involving analog astronauts are conducted by many laboratories, facilities, and research centers around the world. Well, there you go. I guess if you ever play like Microsoft Flight Simulator, you know, try to take a jet up to the edge of space, maybe you're an analog astronaut. I don't know how easy it is to claim that. <laughs> it's not like, I mean, is it, is it like stolen valor saying, you know, you're a Navy SEAL or something if you're not? I don't know. Interesting you mentioned um, Flight Simulator. Did you see the, um, the Ever Given? Someone placed it in the canal in Flight Simulator. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. There was someone else who did it into SimCity 3000 as well. Okay. So I was falling asleep watching this 
I don't know if you if you do the whole YouTube thing. There's a guy on there, Michael. I don't know his last name, but the YouTube channel is Vsauce. Have you ever seen that? No, possible. It sounds familiar, but not one that I've. Yeah, it does some wildly fascinating videos. There was one last night where he was talking about what would you do as humans if you knew that the planet was going to get destroyed and you wanted to send a message out into space. Where would you send it? How would you send it? What would you send it on? What would you what would you write or what would you put in it? How do you know that whoever finds it even has the same senses that we do? If someone finds it, right? Has the same senses that we do to either see it or hear it or feel it or you know, touch it, whatever. And how do you know what do you put it on that you know that it won't get destroyed when they try to touch it? And how would you communicate? Well, you basically have to communicate in math and physics. That's that's like the, you know, you look at very common particles across the universe, right? You can communicate with saying, okay, here you can draw a hydrogen atom, and then you assume that they're advanced enough to understand what a hydrogen atom is, and then you can kind of build off of that concept and say, like, the distance between this and that is this, and here's roughly how many, you know, of those we are tall. Draw a picture, here's what we look like, assuming they're able to see. You know, it, it was really interesting. But the whole point of me telling you that story is, well, I guess a couple fold. Go check out Vsauce on, on YouTube. Yeah, I pulled him up here. But also, yeah, wildly interesting. But also at the end of that episode, he started talking about the Library of Babel. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No. It's a concept where you have, you have rooms. So it says the library is divided into hexagonal chambers, each with four walls of bookcases five shelves per wall and 32 volumes per shelf. And apparently the concept here is that this library contains anything that has ever or will ever be written or said. So you can go to libraryofbabel.info and he connected the concepts, right? So if you're like trying to send information out, would you send something like this out, et cetera. But you go to libraryofbabel.info, go type something in and it'll tell you where that is. Like type in the names of your kids and like facts about them or something. And the, the concept is that it, it is, it, it took, I guess, however, you know, however many hexadecimal, you know, setups and whatever pages and chapters and shelves or books and shelves and rooms yep. and all this kind of stuff to house every possible combination of the alphabet, including comma, space, and period. So if you just click on a random page, you just get like random garbled stuff. But if you type something in specific, it'll tell you exactly what page it's on within the library. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I haven't got any real results, I guess, for how far has Aaron Buey ran. <laughs> well, it's not, but... a, it's not a thing that you can, that you can ask and give, get an answer from. You know what I mean? Because okay. there's infinite possible, everything that could be said is, is said, right? So you can type in, you know, Aaron Buley yeah. ran one mile, Aaron Buley ran two miles or whatever, right? To answer your question. And it's all there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Does that mess with your head? It, it does, especially <laughs> looking at it now. It's just, okay. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, encourage the listeners, go, go check it yeah. out. I was looking at this. So right as I was kind of falling asleep last night, I'm, I'm just listening to this, um, just him talk about all this. And so then I went in and I'm looking at it and then I ended up dreaming about it. It was like the last thing I thought about. And then it was the first thing I thought about this morning and I, uh, and I dreamt about it, but pretty incredible thing to, mm. to uh, a concept, right? 
the idea is that all the pages exist. They only need to be looked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. It's almost like it, it works itself backwards as well. Like you can, you can input what you would want to find. And then it says, yep, yep here's exactly where that would be in our library. Yeah. So then the, the theory reverses and you say, look, if you want to know anything about anything that's said in the future, it's all here. Or anything that's ever been said in the past, it's all here. Yep. So I've put in Aaron Bewley ran a mile and it's found a single page this time. Yeah. Dude, what, what messed with me is, yeah, put in, I mean, put in facts about your kids, right? If you wanted to like be emotionally connective <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, that information is in our library on this page of this, you know, this volume on this shelf in this room. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, yeah, right? I, I thought I'd avoid that just in case. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fine. Don't put, put in <laughs> random names, put in random names. But the, the concept is, uh, is wild. So yeah. don't go check it out libraryofbabel.info. And there's a, they've got a forum going, um, explains the theory. Uh, you can just randomly browse as well. Instead of just typing, going random page or something, you can just select numbers and it shows you image of the library you can, of the hexagonal shape. And then you can get the bookshelves themselves and you can just click on which shelf you want and then you book from there. Mm -hmm. That's just, yeah. That's crazy. What are those puzzles where you try to find words in the uh, the rows or columns or diagonal? You know what I mean? Uh, it's like a, a um, word puzzle. A, um, yeah, word, it's just a word puzzle. Yeah, that's right. I kept wanting yeah. to say crossword, but it's not crossword. Crossword, that's it. Yeah, crossword. Is it crossword? I thought crossword, yeah, crossword. puzzle is like where you've got the, you get a clue and oh, you no, have yes. to fill in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just a word puzzle. Find, find a word. Yeah, find a word, something like that. Yeah. But that's kind of what it looks like, right? I, get I, I should know my... My daughter's uh, doing them at the moment. Yes. Word search. There you go. Word search. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Too simple. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Uh, what else? What else have you seen going on? LinkedIn. They, they're uh, following in Facebook steps. They had uh, 500 million um, user profiles uh, scraped. Yeah, I saw that, but I only really saw kind of like the subtext of the headline. Is it just, I think it's all just public information. It seems like it, the Pretty information much. was just scraped. It's not yeah. like, what happened with Facebook? They took advantage of a vulnerability within In the importing. import, yeah, contact yeah. importer. And we're basically able to reverse connect people's names and phone numbers. People don't generally just you know, like post their phone number. Yeah. So, but so that makes me wonder how valuable that information is. I guess if you're just maybe trying to do data analytics off of users or something, but I don't know why. Why would somebody buy that information off of LinkedIn? Looking at what they've got in LinkedIn, one they also include things like email addresses, phone numbers, and then the rest of the stuff that's in there seems pretty much um, public information: LinkedIn IDs, full names, gender, uh, links to LinkedIn profiles links to other social media profiles and professional titles and work area. But the email addresses and phone numbers, I would assume, are mostly um, hidden unless you, that's something you do set publicly. Yeah. I deleted LinkedIn the same time I deleted Facebook. So remembering what's what's there is, um, I, I don't know, maybe a, a lot of people would find that their phone numbers are personal information mm -hmm. that wouldn't be public. They released 2 million records to show proof as of the attack, but it doesn't look like there is anything related to, to like password information. Okay. Do you use LinkedIn much? Uh, not really. I logged in today because I got a um, notification 
in an email and I had something like 20 notifications sitting there. So uh, maybe once or twice a month I check it. But yeah, it just became so overblown um, the last couple of years with just the amount of content that just kept uh, flowing through. I think when when they brought in birthdays, that just, I think, killed the professional side of it, uh, oh, okay. of what it was used for. Yeah. So, wish so-and-so a happy birthday. It's like, I've only connected to him because he's a, um, <laughs> we, we were working on something. <laughs> right. For, or he's an account manager, someone that I was dealing with for a short time. Yeah. Like it just, yeah, that yeah, professional side that LinkedIn originally brought to the table sort of disappeared. Yeah. I, I forget that there's that social aspect of it, the, the, like this, the wall, right? The, the posting and reading and all that kind of stuff. But it always feels like it has a different bent, a different flavor than what I actually care about. Yeah, I've, I've read a few places where they talk about the algorithm that's used that just doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, some people have tried to analyze how that algorithm for what is displayed to you and how to make it work for you. Now, some people have made it work for themselves, but a lot of others are saying, I just can't make it work for what I need to get mm-hmm. out of using LinkedIn. Um, and I guess it's kind of like Facebook's al- algorithm as well, because a couple of times that's changed where you just get, you just scroll to the top. And it's like what we heard in uh, Social, uh, what was that movie? Social Dilemma. Yeah. Social Dilemma, yeah. Which we need to do another movie, by the way, Kieran. We do. And what, what, April? So we missed a couple Yeah, we months. missed February and March. <laughs> and, but I've missed a few shows too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. been crazy start of the year. It has. But yeah, like in, in Social Dilemma, they're talking about you go to the top, you refresh the page, it's a whole new set. You yeah. don't see what you previously saw because you yeah. were going for something else, but now you've got a whole new content. That algorithm, it just... I get how that algorithm works to keep you engaged, but for something like LinkedIn, an algorithm like that, it just it kills the information that is trying to be provided by vendors, by companies, by yeah. Yeah. The the most maddening thing about the Facebook one is just how absolutely random it is. And then when if you have the app already open, right, you click on it and it just brings it right back up because it's been sitting in cache and you start to read it and then the app refreshes and then you have no idea where it went. But I think also the app might think that you already read that and then you don't need to see it anymore. Yep. Sometimes that happens on Twitter too. Like you'll load, you'll load the application. Uh, I've seen some pretty funny, I mean, people have said it a hundred times, but it's like my favorite thing about Twitter is reading a tweet and then having the app suddenly refresh and now I'm reading a new tweet. You know, it's like, you have, I'm like, wait a second, I was reading that and there's no chance you'll ever find that again. Yeah, and I, I've had it before because I have a habit of re- going. This is why I deleted tw- um, Facebook off my phone was because I just sat there and read through it and mm-hmm. wasted time and and that. But I had a habit of was doing that. Like I'd be sitting there reading through each each post that was there. Here's a post. Here's a post, and going, oh, what's the next one? And being enticed into just continuing yeah. to go through the through the feed. I'd get to a point and just go, nah, enough's enough and go to close the app. But as I do that, because I've scrolled, a little bit of something that actually was interesting pops up <laughs> at the bottom and I've lost it. Like, like I follow it. things I follow things like um, data center knowledge website on there and like that would come up with like the top five weekly things or some other article or something that you just read enough of it and you go, oh, now I've lost it. Yeah. But because it was so quick, I also don't 
picture what page I, I don't capture what page it was to just manually go over search for it. Yeah, it's been a few of those sorts of instances. And then yeah, if you refresh and go back to the app, it's gone. So. <laughs> All right, let me throw something else at you here real quick. Amazon, this is awesome. This is awesome. Amazon is buying dead malls. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you think about that for a second, Amazon is responsible for a decent amount of the death of shopping malls. Yep. Would you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I haven't been in a shopping mall in the US in forever. I went to China like a, gosh, a year and a half ago. I think that was the last time I was in a mall. And the malls there, there's not any malls that you can go and buy things because everything is just bought online. Um, mm. Everything in the mall was all experiences stuff. So they had like a video game thing and all kinds of, just all kinds of random stuff that you could go and do. So it says Amazon, uh, this is a, this is on finance.yahoo.com's news today, which has done much, uh, as much as any company to bring about the demise of shopping malls in the US has now come full circle by buying up struggling malls and turning them into distribution centers. <laughs> so not only did they put them out of business, but then they own them and then they're selling the supply out of, out of the same mall. It's, it's just unreal. It's unreal. It's, yeah. Just, just moving in. Yeah. Over the last, it says over the last several months, Amazon has gone on a shopping spree with a number of new mall purchases. Last month, the Seattle-based retail giant won approval to convert a mall in Baton Rouge, Louisiana into a 3.4 million square foot distribution center, right? It's a win for them because they don't have to build a massive facility for all their robot moving shelves. You know what I mean? That would be still a lot to um, demolish inside as well because you've got your escalators and different rooms and all that sort of stuff that would get in the way of all that. Yeah, yeah. There's still, there's still a fair bit of a, a job for Amazon too, but it makes sense. You've got an existing building. Yep. Like the, the structure's there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a good move by them, but... Um, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking to see how much they've kind of destroyed the old uh, window shopping feeling that you used to get. Um, well, now your window is that that front screen on your phone. That's your window shopping. That that's it. But it's it's not the same. <laughs> just with a lot less exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they uh, so they just want to. Let me see. Same month, Amazon won similar approval to turn a mall in Knoxville, Tennessee, into a two hundred twenty thousand square foot distribution center. That followed a December decision by the planning board in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts to let Amazon convert the city's Green, uh, Greendale Mall into a 121,000 square foot distribution center. They, I mean, all over the country. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, thought you might find that funny. It, it'll turn out to be like Starbucks. Every corner you go to will be an Amazon warehouse. Right? Well, and so the way that they're spread out, you kind of always think about this last mile problem. How do you, how can you more, more efficiently get, like, how can you get all of those items as close as possible to the consumers? And then, then you have that last mile problem of how do I get it from wherever they are at any point in time, whether they're, you know, sitting on their couch at home or they're at, you know, the, the sideline of their kindergarten soccer field and they, they order something, you know, how do you get it to them quickly? And man, mm. malls are, malls are pretty well positioned. Yep. Just need, a, so, need those drones and you'd be right. That's right. Yeah. Did you, did you see the one about uh, UPS? They're buying no. 150. Yeah, 150. So these aren't drones. These are electric vehicle takeoff and landing aircraft, right? They're massive drones that like people can fly. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. And it looked like the premise was maybe to get um, into more difficult rural areas. I don't know if it, I don't know if the concept is maybe like um, trying to get into mountainous regions or basically areas where there's just a not maybe great roads. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting concept, but I'm always, I'm, I've been fascinated by the EVTOL, the EV tall, I guess. I don't know how, how you say it. I just read it. I don't hear anyone say it, but about that industry. As soon as a, yeah. a person can buy one, I'm going to be doing everything I can to figure out how to do that. This is a drone you can sit in. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm um, waiting for a package from UPS right now, but um, I don't think it's going to be delivered to me by a giant aircraft. <laughs> well, so yes, yes, it will, but only to the um, airport. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, everything's got to be... Do you know, actually, is it mostly ships, I would imagine, not aircraft, that bringing supplies into Australia and shipping supplies out? It depends on the um, the shipping company um, mm-hmm. and what the type of package is. Sometimes it's almost overnight with just an aircraft and sometimes it's shipping. It, it really depends on the um, company and, and the package. So okay. in my case, it's a, it's a shirt and it landed two days after. So definitely not by ship, would have been a lot longer, but it's just sitting in um, down in Sydney at the moment at the international facility. So it's a good question though. I don't actually know how majority of stuff comes in. It, and it also depends as well, like if it's food products or anything like that from China where we export to them and then re-import it, that's done by ship. When we ship over to New Zealand or anything like that, that's again, mostly shipping. But yeah, if I order a package or something from the States, then it's generally via, via a plane or by looking at the timeline. So. Okay. You got anything or you want to talk about this, uh, this Microsoft server stuff? Well, I, I had hoped Russ would have been here to talk about uh, iMessage and why it's not coming to, to Android. Um, he might have been happily happy to latch onto that one. I know he wanted to talk about Oracle, um, as you mentioned. But yeah, you hit it. Let's go with your, let's go with your Microsoft. Okay. Yeah, so the uh, the article here on The Verge, and uh, thanks to my mom for sending me this one. Uh, usually she sends me stuff, and I've, I've seen it already. I don't tell her that. I say, thanks, mom. And if you're listening, mom, thanks. But this one I had not seen. Microsoft is now submerging servers into liquid baths, which if you know anything about data centers, one of the number one rules is like, don't even carry a glass of water into a data center. <laughs> Does it say what sort of water they're using? Yeah, so it, it does actually. It doesn't call it water. It says the fluorocarbon-based liquid. So it's a non-conductive fluid. Now, if you know water, you know that water is a conductive fluid. So it's not water. So, But it, it says it starts off saying Microsoft is starting to submerge its servers in liquid to improve their performance and energy efficiency. You're always challenged with, you're always challenged with heating. Uh, the, yep. what, it, what it takes to power the system and what it takes to cool the system. You know what I mean? To power to actually use and then to power to actually to cool. Um, And so and with excessive heat, then you've got performance issues and then you're struggling with energy efficiency and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so it says a rack of servers is now being used for production loads in what looks like a liquid bath. The immersion process. And see, I initially thought it was just they were dunking them prior to actually being used. But this is them dunking them while they're using which yep. I've got to wrap my, my brain around. This is interesting, but, and maybe, maybe it's not new for, for many of y'all in the industry, but it's the first time I've really 
seen this. The immersion process has existed in the industry for a few years, but Microsoft claims it's the first cloud provider that is running two-phase immersion cooling in a production environment, completely submerging the racks in a specially designed non-conductive fluid, that fluorocarbon-based liquid. Yeah, so the concept has been proven a few years ago, but I think what it is is just at some trade shows or at conventions is where they've shown the idea off. Okay. But in this, in what Microsoft is actually doing is saying we're running Azure Cloud on this immer- uh, on these servers immer- uh, that are immersed in um, in the water, in, so or in the liquid. So I think that's the concept that they're. That, that's the big step is that now it's a production thing for the public use, maybe not public use yet, but um, it certainly is is running. Uh, if you jump on YouTube, you'll find people who have also um, have, they call them their fish tank cases where mm-hmm. they liquid cool using um, mineral oil, mineral water um, to um, cool their machine and they just, uh, seal their case up and then just fill it up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and supposed to disperse that heat as well. So, there, yeah, it's it's so, been around for a little while. But, so, but yeah. the liquid is is carbon and fluorine, right? Mm. Which, which I th- I think or I thought was a a a, a greenhouse gas. Is it not part of like when they say like when you have an aerosol and it says no CFCs? Maybe I'm way off. I think we need a chemist on the show. <laughs> we need a chemist, a chemistry correspondent. Tyler's um, probably as close as you'll get. Yeah, probably, probably. Although, I, yeah, I don't know how much extra chemistry he took, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm oh. I'm increasingly interested in that. Okay. In in a two-phase immersion cooling system, a synthetic liquid engineered to boil at a low temperature, mm-hmm. in this case, 122 Fahrenheit or 90 Fahrenheit lower than the boiling point of water, turns into a vapor upon contact with warm with a warm processor, mm-hmm. removing its heat by turning it into bubbles of gas that travel up to the surface, where upon contact with the cool condensed condenser in the tank's lid, the gas converts back into a liquid that rains back down to repeat the cycle. So it sounds like um, uh, your heat pipes that you get on your CPU yeah. cores and that. So the same, same idea. So it heats up when it hits the, at the CPU level, but as it gets up to the fan, up into the main heat sink, it cools down, turns back into that liquid and does that rotation. But in this case, it's just the liquid. Yeah, um, it sits in there and it boils the liquid. But yeah. instead of it boiling, like don't think don't think about your brain, you know, boiling water to hard boil some eggs because that's 100 degrees Celsius, right? In this case, it's half yeah. that. It's 50 degrees Celsius. Yeah. I like how you talk in Fahrenheit and I talk in Celsius on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just reading it from, uh, from an American site. So. Oh, there you go. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. All right. I, hey, I got to, I got actually got to wrap up. Um, I've got a call here in 15 minutes. I got to go prepare for you. Got anything else you want to, uh, to drop on us here or any, just uh, anything going on in Australia? How's it going from a vaccine perspective? Are y'all, are y'all <laughs> starting to get them? Are you still well, on like heavy lockdowns? Yeah. So we recently went into lockdown, a snap lockdown last week, uh, week before Easter. And, um, we ended up doing a three-day lockdown because we had two clusters that came out of a 
Um, so a, a doctor at a hospital was treating an international patient who came over, um, caught, caught the virus, and there was also her housemates, I think, then caught it from her and, and across the side it spread. And that was two weeks apart. Um, and so we went to a snap lockdown last week and um, we've had zero cases since Friday last week, I think it was, so since Good Friday. And then um, we're just under a, a mask mandate for the next two weeks just to ensure that there's no more more spreading. But in relation to the vaccine itself, we... Um, we ordered something around the 50 million mark of um, doses and they were coming over from Italy. And then after that order, Italy blocked the um, order because they said that we're in such a good position. We don't require, well, we don't need what? the vaccines as soon. Because <laughs> how, does, how does Italy determine whether or not you want something? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh. it, it makes sense though, because they are in a worse position. With, oh, okay. Um, well, I didn't know with, that. I mean, yeah, yeah. If they're just saying, "Look, we're not going to ship it out because we ha- we have to use it internally," sorry, that that's different. Then I take back what I said. But if they just said, "Look, you don't need it. We're not going to sell it to you." <laughs> no, I don't know how far it got in. Like, did we did we actually buy it yet? And yeah. they were promised to us, and then they withheld them, or they said, "No, you just have to wait for the next batch." I don't know how far that went. But um, so yeah, and we. Our government said that the expected rate was to have 3.2 million people. Uh, I'm not sure of having both doses or at least having the first dose by the 30th of March. And we've had just over 800,000 by the 30th of March. So we're, we're behind in what that schedule was supposed to be. But What type of doses um, did you order? We're, we're getting the AZ one. Okay. Um, don't make me say the name. Um, yeah, it's AstraZeneca. That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AstraZeneca. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I've only been reading it. And they've now, due to symptoms that people were getting from that one over uh, under 50, they're now recommending the Pfizer for under 50s. Um, okay. So, yeah. And I've heard nothing about the Johnson & Johnson one over here. So I'm not sure if that's ever going to get here. Um, yeah, it's a different but, kind. It's not yeah. mRNA based. It's all, yeah. All right, man. Hey, dude, it was really good to see you. We need to get you back on the show again soon. Maybe we can do like a, a, a late afternoon one next week and we get you in the morning the following day. How's that sound? Yeah. You want to come yeah. back on it? Uh, I know you wanted to talk with Russ. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk some okay. sports. Uh, yeah, man. I reckon he needs to start doing a Russ rundown. Where uh, top ten streaming for the week, top ten. Um, oh, what else does he cover? Top ten. I like that idea. The Russ yeah. rundown. Oof. Okay. Hey, shut it down. I gotta go. Cool. I gotta go get ready. Well, good to see you. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that concludes uh, today's tech breakfast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Join us on our Patreon page, and uh, we'll see you at the next one. Cheers. Cheers.